Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hollywood Haymaker Podcast. I have Justin Dubuque. Johnny Anson here. And we're back early in the morning, right early in Wisconsin, to talk uh, current movies this week. Yeah, we got a good lineup to talk about here. Yeah, I think so. It should be an interesting conversation, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I have a couple movie, uh, just a little bit of movie news, because I think we have a couple uh, good topics to talk about today. But uh, the big, probably, announcement this week was that Mark Hamill, voicing Chucky in the new Chucky remake. Still not interested. <laughs> really? The big the big Star Wars guy doesn't, get to, doesn't just see Mark Hamill and think you automatically have to watch it because he voices a doll? I think he's... I think he's a good choice for it. Um, he, he he did the the Joker voice on the Batman cartoon. Okay. So, I mean, he you know he's he, he does that kind of thing. He does voices sure. and, and villain voices and stuff. Um. So I can see it. I can see him doing it. But I'm just not really interested in another Chucky movie. I think they've run that franchise into the ground. I was never interested in Chucky almost ever. I like the original, and I like. The I actually like the bride of the, Chucky. The, the bride one's so fun. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was you a different can't take. Dislike it almost because it's so ridiculous. But yeah, not so ridiculous. It's so stupid. But yeah, I agree. Those are probably the two I like too. Yeah, I mean, and I think since then they've tried to bring it back to its roots, and it's like, don't do that. Right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, all it's going to be is the same. It's a nostalgia kick, hardcore. Because I mean, really, all it's going to be is the doll that's gonna they're probably just gonna make it kill in as bloody of ways as possible yeah you would think i guess i mean i don't know (laughs) considering the annabelle franchise has like three movies and then it's a puppet Mm -hmm. i've never seen any of them but um it's just i don't know it's interesting but another way to sell a movie i guess put mark hamill in it and even though he's not in it, he's just voicing, but that'll get people more interested. No, I think he's a great choice yeah. for a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, interesting, too. Did you So yesterday, pre-sale tickets went on sale for Endgame. Did you get some? No, I'll just I'll just buy one on yeah. the day. So uh, Fandango, the website that does all this stuff, you know, uh, their entire website crashed yesterday. And was un- and they openly said in a statement that their app and everything is unprepared for what happened yesterday mm-hmm. because they sold so many pre-sale tickets that people st- sat in like a, there's so many people like tweeting and stuff showing that they were sitting on a loading screen for like hours waiting for tickets to pick the seat in the theater. And then I went, you know, it's not like it's a, it's a comedy show where they're there for one night and you have 500 tickets and that's it. You know, this is a, Huge movie that's going to be in every single theater, everywhere. I guess if you if your theater is one of those ones where you get to pick your seat, I might have bought one in advance. But our theater doesn't do that. So right. yeah, our theater doesn't think has. I don't think it's a Pandango theater. Yeah, it's not. So yeah. so if you buy even if you buy your ticket in advance, you're still going to have to fight for your seat when you get there on the day of the, sh- of the show. Anyway, totally. So I'll just buy my ticket on the day of the show. Right. Right. Are you? I'm assuming you're going opening day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be packed. Yeah. Oof. I wonder how early you're going to have to get there. I understand we're, we're a smaller town, but... Oh, I don't know. I've never had trouble getting in before. It might be fairly full, but I'm sure there'll still be seats available. Gosh, I, I went to one movie that was, I think, the only time ever that was 100% sold out here. Every seat was full. And it was... It was a long time ago. I think it was in high school. I, I probably won't be able to think of what it was. Oh, maybe it's even... It might have been Return of the King, Lord of the Rings. Okay, I'm sure. pretty sure I went to that opening night, and uh, every seat was sold out full. Well, now they, they do this thing where they'll, they'll put the movie, the same movie on multiple screens at the same time. Right, and that was so, kind of before they were doing that. Yeah, there'd be like a 7 o'clock, a 7, 10. Yeah. And you would assume Endgame, even in ours, ours has seven, 7 screens in it. I bet you it's on 3. It could be. I yeah. mean, because we have three decent-sized screens, and the other four are pretty small. Yeah. Um, I bet you it's on all three of them. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> well, not too worried about And what other movie, movie out there is going to come out that weekend? Yeah. What studio's like, you know what, April 26th? I think there's going to be a few people 
they're not going to be interested in game. They're going to come to our film instead. <laughs> When's Chucky coming out? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. So that's interesting. But yeah, it was, and of course, then all the memes of the seats, like a screenshot of the seats on Fandango getting dusted was just all over. I'm like, of course. Yeah. Too easy. Low-hanging fruit. Um, then they also announced that Ryan Johnson, it was announced directing the first uh, episode of the Old Republic Star Wars trilogy. Did you see that? Oh, yes. They're going to do Old Republic. So it says. That's, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. People are going to be excited for that. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but that's what, that's the news story I read today. Yeah. It's just a time period in the Star Wars universe, um, to, the way before all, all the characters that we're familiar with, okay. before all the Skywalkers so, and that. So pretty much a whole new concept. Yeah. At least they can and be I, a whole new concept. And I, I want to say it's before Jedi's existed or anything oh, okay. like that, too. So. Interesting. Kind of a different era of the Star Wars universe. It's probably good. Yeah. Star Wars could use a, a freshening up. And if yeah. that's a way of doing it, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it should be good. I think a lot of people are going to be excited for this. Yeah. You know, it's an area uh, area that hasn't been explored too much yet. In the comics a little bit, right. I think. But And Ryan Johnson's much. directed other Star Wars, too, hasn't he? Yeah, he did, he did uh, the one that... Uh, he did um, Last, Je Last Jedi. Okay. Which I didn't care for. Yeah, that was probably of the of the Star Wars movies, probably probably my second least favorite. Yeah, I mean, Episode Two to me is just not fun to watch whatsoever. But um, uh, I mean, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. He, no, he did. He did. La he did the uh, the one that came out most recently. Yeah. But J.J. Abrams is going to be doing the last one, so I'm excited. I'm excited, that. too. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, you know, and the, it, you know, Star Wars is so iconic and so loved, but a little bit of newness is definitely necessary, I think. I think Last Jedi was proof of that, because I, I don't know that many people that saw that movie that I know that came out more or less going, no, it's, it's fine. Like, it's fine. You know, I didn't hear it. I don't know if I knew anybody that was just like, that was just the best Star Wars. Right. Yeah. For me, I didn't really care for yeah. it. Yeah. It had some parts that were fun. Yeah, there was a couple scenes, you know, the throne room scene. where That throne room scene, is the old, that's the scene that when you say it, I'm going to think of two things probably for the rest of my life is throne room scene, because that's a good scene. And just the way that, and again, I'm going to, I don't know anything about Star Wars, whatever the spaceships were on the sand and the sand turned red. I just thought that was a cool aesthetic. You know, when they flew in the sand. I'm like, that's cool looking. I don't know the point of why it was doing it or anything anymore, but I was like, that's cool. But that thro the throne room scene is good stuff. Yeah, and the, the battle between Kylo and Luke Skywalker was, was fun, too. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's interesting. And then the other last thing I want to say, and this kind of goes off a uh, thing that we complain about all the time. So, have you seen, just because of the movies and seeing in theaters and seeing us this week, did you see the pet, have you seen the Pet Cemetery trailer? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so have I a couple times. It's just kind of been around. Um, is it one of the trailers at the end where you went, I just saw the whole film? I mean, it is pretty out there. I, I, I thought it I thought it again in the theater yesterday when I saw it. I was like, they showed everything. I mean, they showed so yeah. much of what was going on in this movie. It does. Especially and for a remake. So it's, it's, Yeah, it's a remake. You so kind of get lot it. Of people are, a lot of people are familiar with this story anyway. So. <sighs> you know, are they? I mean, I think it's, man, there's a lot. I of, think so. It's a classic Stephen King. It is. But even like, even the old, you know, John Lithgow plays the old guy in this one. And there's even the, uh, I don't know. But it was funny because I thought that in the theater yesterday. I thought that also, did you see the, did they show the Ma trailer before Us for You? What is it? Ma. M-A, like Ma, like Mom. I don't the think Octavia so. Spencer where she's like a older lady who invites these like high schoolers over to her house to party. And then like she, you know, becomes super stalkerish and... No. Oh, okay. It looked interesting. But the trailer, like, kept going and going. And I'm like, stop it. And it, like, it, it was amazing how much, like, I still at the end went, I wanted, you know, they still had me. I'm like, why is she doing this? You know, obviously they're not going to tell that. But throughout the whole thing, I'm like, stop, pull back. Why are you doing this? But the director for Pet Cemetery, which I'm, un I'm as unfamiliar with his name off the top of my head, but, uh, he came out and said that he's really mad at the studio's trailer for the, for the movie. And he's like, I almost feel like people don't, half the people aren't going to want to watch it because 
a lot of the good stuff's in there. Yeah. And he's like, and you're already alluding to half the important parts. Yeah. And I was like, it's funny that he said it just because I thought it the couple times I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I, it's not really a film I'm super interested in anyway, so I guess I didn't really care. But yeah, right. now that you mention it, the trailer does kind of tell you the whole story. But I think I felt like I already kind of knew the whole story, so I didn't really feel like I was having anything really ruined for me. I just felt like I already knew it. Yeah, I mean, what? <coughs> yeah, I mean, isn't the only change like? I mean, the only change to me is it's a girl instead of a boy. I mean, Part other than that, it, it. And then the other kind of part that they alluded to in the trailer that was like the only thing I saw that looked different was uh, like they said they kind of brought it like a bigger scope than just the girl that there's a lot more out there where the first one doesn't have that. I don't remember. It looks like it's got a lot of creepy imagery in it and. <laughs> It might be all right, but it might be. I'm, I'm not planning to see it or anything. No, it's uh, we'll see. A slow week at Redbox. It's, that's like one of the movies right there. Really? Yeah. Maybe. Why not? Well, sticking on the horror movie kick, I guess. We both saw us. Uh, Jordan Peele, Peele's sophomore go around at the movies. Um, so how do we want to talk about it? Because we can give the two minute review. Of, like, the little bit that you can talk about, because I think about, what, 30 minutes of the movie, you're spoiling a lot of stuff. Um, I think we're just going to spoil it. Okay. Yeah. Just want to say right off the top that we'll just spoil it. All right, that's fine. Okay, let's do it. So, let's review. If you haven't seen it, skip, or go and watch it later. But, uh, um, you know, do what you want to do, or listen and forget. So... Um, I guess the stories of the family that I will never, that I have an IMDb pulled up because, uh, the Wilsons, um, are taken into their summer home. It's like the first day of their summer home. And, uh, you learn early on that when, uh, the mom was a young girl, she played in the same area, like on the beach and she kind of runs away from her mom and dad and, uh, who you see like kind of arguing, kind of bickering. The dad drinks a little bit, but, you know, kind of typical parent stuff, I think. And uh, she runs off from him, and she kind of gets stuck in this fun house house of mirrors thing. Yeah, the opening of the movie is set in the 80s, so yeah. it's like a flashback scene. Sure. And they're at the carnival, and she runs into the house of mirrors yeah. and discovers um, a little girl in there that looks exactly like her. Not a reflection, but... No. The actual girl. And then that's where they cut you. And then they shoot you into 2018. Right. So it's, yep. she's fully grown now. She's got a family of her own. Yep. Husband, daughter, and a son. Yep. And now they're vacationing kind of in that same area. Yeah. Um, and then it's, you know, it's the quick buildup of this is the family life. And you can tell she's a little paranoid from uh, being in this area again. Um, and then they go to the beach and they meet their... Uh, Friends, I guess, that also have a lake house in that same same area, and that's where Lupita Nyong'o, who plays the mom, um, gets is just you know they're I mean within seeing distance of the of that house of mirrors that she had that traumatic experience in when she was a kid. So she's a little paranoid, and she starts to realize that things are happening around her that are coincidence. But are they coincidence? Like a lot of things are just happening that just she knows. That it's yeah, like he says, what is it when they're in the lake house and stuff's about to go down, and he's like, uh, uh he says something about a fire or something, the lights turn off, and then she's like, as she's talking about, these aren't coincidences, there's a reason why these things are happening, you know. And then that's where she tells him about the story of this little girl that she saw, and she's pretty sure the girl's chasing her at some point, like following her, and she feels that she's close to getting her, and then. That's where it turns into the Us movie that we've been kind of pushed to push to know. Yeah, the this group of four shows up at their house, and it, they all look exactly like them. Yep, red jumpsuits yep. and scissors. Yep, that's the scary imagery: red jumpsuits and scissors. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they stay out. And which the, I thought the that the opening the scene where they're getting into the house and the break in and like you're starting to figure out. Even though that's the one thing I knew going into the movie because I saw the teaser at the Super Bowl, is that's what they pretty much showed is here's a family that looks just like them. But that's all I knew. 
Um, so yeah, the family gets them, kind of takes them hostage, and uh, yeah, they look just like them, kind of. They're all a little different because they're, and that's what they explain to you of why. Lupita Nyong'o's character looks just like her, and she has a really raspy voice, uh, and can barely talk, and she ex pretty much explains why they look identical and why they are here pretty much to, to get them. And, uh, and the, um, and then it kind of goes crazy from there. Yeah. It kind of becomes, um, a little bit of a traditional horror film for about 20 minutes, half hour. Yeah. Which I thought the traditional horror movie stuff was pretty good. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're not very talkative. Uh, I think you probably enjoyed this movie more than I did. No, I don't think you, I don't think I did. Oh, you didn't? No, okay. I'm, I'm building up the good thing because uh, I didn't like this. Neither did I. Thank I you. Didn't, <laughs> I was really interested when I was watching. So I, I liked the first half. I didn't think it was groundbreaking or anything, but I was interested, you know. But then once again, you watch Get Out, and Get Out has. So we'll talk about the rest of probably the plot as we dissect the movie going forward. Um, Get Out has the allegories of the point of the movie, but they don't overshadow the movie. Where this movie, once they started hitting the you know that the allegory part, it was like, oh, you're covering me in all your ideas. Like the hands across there's a big part of Hands Across America. The very opening shot they show her as a little kid watching the Hands Across America commercial. And right. That's they're trying to tell you that that's a memory she has. Yeah. And uh, like I get it. We should love the world. We should. We're Americans. We have it really good. Stop complaining. And there's so much there. And it's just like he keep. There's more. And there's more. Like everything towards the last half hour has a point about something bigger. That's fine. But it's so much all the time. I'm like, I, I got it. We should all love each other. We should love the planet we live on. We're Americans. We have a pretty good life. Stop complaining. And that's, I mean, he's pushing, he's hitting it hard on that. So I was like, I was getting just wore out, like, from that part. Yeah, it, it felt like there was a lot of um, recurring imagery. There was those rabbits. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really necessarily understand where he was going with some of that. Well, the, so this is what I got. And I also thought there was, and this will go into what you're saying, is it was almost, there was a little points of confusion just to be confusing. Yeah. Like the rabbit part, like, so what I got out of it was rabbits are easy to clone. Oh, so what we should say, I guess, is what you learn is that this is the other part I found. So in the title card, they tell you about all these tunnels. Right. Yeah. Under, yeah. The opening, the opening, the very opening of the movie was a title <laughs> card that says that, that there's all these tunnels under the, under America, abandoned subway tunnels and some tunnels. Thousands of miles. Yeah. And some, some tunnels that nobody knows what they're even for. Right. And that's their way of getting around the fact that there's a uh, identical people from every single person. How many people are in America? How, what's the population here? Hundreds of millions. It's, it's, say it's 400 million. Somewhere in there. Say it's 400 million. There's 400 million of us underground in these tunnels. Yeah. According to the movie, there's, all, there's a, a shadow or a tether, they yep. call them, for every person. Sure. And they were designed, according to the movie, as like... A government experiment that was failed, so they hit them underground. Yep. And they're they want to basically kill the other person that they match for what reason? I don't think it was really explained. Exactly, it wasn't. So they could form a chain across that, America. Yeah, they want that only takes six million people. So there's four three hundred and ninety four million other people. Yeah. To do what? There's so there's a lot of these kind of, um, I guess, thought provoking imagery in the movie, Hands Across America, rabbits, just recurring imagery. The um, the uh, the eleven eleven uh, Jeremiah eleven eleven is that what the guy the homeless guy sign has? He has it burnt into his uh, forehead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that. I don't know what the passage is, but that obviously is something. I mean, they even say it on the the TV. But she's walking through like he's watching the ball game. Like we're tied at eleven eleven. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, so there's there's different there's different sort of imagery that's <clears throat> that recurs that I think 
is designed in such a way that it, it, it feels thought-provoking, but I just don't know that there's thought behind some of it. Or at least I didn't get it. So it made the film a little bit confusing. Um, it, it reminded me a little bit of The Shining. It felt like he was trying to do kind of what Stanley Kubrick did with The Shining, sort of put things together in a way that are thought-provoking. Um, but for me, this film was not as thought-provoking as The Shining. Oh, no. And no, not at all. A lot of people seem to really be enjoying this film, and I think some people are really trying to figure it out and what the meaning is. I just don't think there's really an answer. Not a clear one. Not a clear one. So so I think, and again, gonna, I think there's a own, lot going on. Everyone, which means that everyone's going to have their own interpretation right. of the film. And I think some people are enjoying that aspect of it. But for me, I, I just, once it ended, I just didn't feel interested. See, neither did I. So I... I I pushed off my movie podcast of the Us reviews because I didn't want to know. Yeah. And uh, a couple of the things I heard that I didn't know was like, uh, one lady was talking about how Norwegian folklore, this is a Norwegian folklore story of these people that live underground and there's somebody and they're going to come back for you. Like, that's something. Okay, but no one knows that. No one knows that. Or whoever does know it's such a small percentage. Right. The other thing that I didn't catch but somebody else did was the, so there's a, there's the t-shirts they wear are really poignant. I mean, there's a reason why you wear a Jaws shirt on the beach. Like, there's a Thriller Michael Jackson shirt, which is kind of icky now that the Michael Jackson documentary is out. Uh, and it changes a little bit. I guess there's a point towards the end of the movie, and I didn't catch it, where it's identical to the... It's a Thriller t-shirt that's identical to the Thriller music video that okay. somebody found, and they written and looked, like, oh, it's a shot-for-shot, shot, like, 10-second clip of the Thriller video. And then they explained why that was in there. And like, oh, the movie, the movie. Yeah, matched. yeah. Towards the end, I guess with the little girl, like when they flat, they flat. They're like, oh, it's, that's the thriller video. And I'm like, who? That's. I get it that you're trying to do. And you know, Stanley Kubrick was famous for that. Uh-huh. But I don't know. It, 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 the movie didn't make me feel that way. And then I guess the last twist we're not talking about is her. Did you know that before? No, I did. I, the reason why, and I'm not trying to toot my horn, I'm not. Well, let's give it away first. Yeah. So the, the final the final moment of the film, you it's a flashback all the way back to the beginning at that carnival, and you realize that the, the little girl that went into the um, the House of Mirrors is not the same one that came out. It was the other one that came out. Yeah, so the reason why she rasps is because she choked her and hurt her throat and like, switched her. What you'd also learn is the tunnel somehow connects to that house of mirrors, and apparently they can walk out of the tunnel at any time, just up that escalator. And the girl just walked up. Why did it? T so that's the reason why they're coming back is because now you have this girl who is an American, is down there, and she's using her, you know, actual human brain against these half-witted humans to do this revolt. And uh, the reason, so. I thought it early. I went, don't tell me they switched. I, I, I said that thought in my head. And then I forgot about it. And then the first time, so Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker play this white couple next door. Yeah. And uh, there's a big part where they their family gets killed. That's the first time you realize that everybody has a twin. Yeah. Not just this family. Their, their twins show up. Show up and just slaughter them. Yeah. Um, the, where the mom goes back into the house to grab the car keys, Lupita Nyong'o, and stabs and kills one of the daughters or something, you know? And the boy, they show that scene where the boy looks at her and she looks like one of them. That's kind of what they're pushing. And I went, oh no, it's, she's it. And I, that was the first, and I, I think that's the hint they're trying to give you there, but I, I immediately clipped it and I went, it's a swap. I bet you it's a swap. And actually towards the end of the movie, I saw that in my mind and I went, oh, it's not. Like I had the thought of, oh, it's not a swap. And then they swapped and I went, damn it. I knew it because you know why the reason why I also think it is because annihilation, which you didn't finish, they do the same type of swap at the end. And so I had that in my head too. I'm like, oh, okay. Like it's not that original. To me, it, it felt like they wanted to do one last little twist just to make you rethink the meaning of the whole film. And for me, it, it kind of didn't work. I mean, so it, it felt like a, it almost felt like a twist for the, for the broad audience. Because he knows that he's going to get huge distribution out of this. Because Get Out was so famous and popular. Right? Yeah. It almost felt like if that wasn't there, I think it would have been better. Um, but, like, that's an easy twist for 
you know, the regular person. Like, I'm not saying we're not regular people, but I think we that we have this podcast for a reason. I think it, 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 it forces you to rethink the the whole meet the whole film basically. Right. But I, for me, it just didn't completely work. I, I just felt like another tag at the end of the film. Uh, it kind of reminded me again of The Shining, where there's you know that the shot of Jack Nicholson with the with the date on the picture. Yeah, good point. And it kind of makes you rethink, oh, what, what does that mean now? What is, they got to rethink the whole film now. So I felt like Jordan Peele, I think he's a talented filmmaker. He did a great job with Get Out. I think with Get Out, he was doing kind of a Hitchcock or a Twilight Zone kind of thing. And with this one, I think he, he tried to go a little more Kubrick. And I think I think he's pretty good at what he does. I just, I just personally didn't love this film. Same. I mean, it looks nice. It's shot well. I mean, it looks like a good movie. I mean, it feels like a really good movie. Yeah. I mean, you're watching it. Here's the other thing, too. I I heard somebody else say it, but... So, Jordan Peele did so well to get out. Now he's getting this huge us rollout. Is it like... Give the, it's like almost that point he jumped to superstardom quick. Up one movie. Yeah. Like, is anybody going to tell him, like, no? You know, like, somebody asked that. Like, say there's... You know, there's people that read this script. Probably dozens of them. But do you, like, read it and go, Jordan Peele, this isn't maybe going to work here? Or do you just let Jordan Peele make the movie he wants to make? Which is what it felt like. It felt like Jordan I think, Peele I think, this... they, I think they absolutely let him make the movie he wanted to make. I think no, so, too. No studio would um, be... Th- this is It's a very original film. Sure. Uh, I'll give it that. And studios hate originality. Sure. They want that formula. And that's the reason so. why I liked it but to a point. Okay. Because it's original. Me and you complain about that all the time on here. I'll give them points for that. Originality and doing something a little different. But there's a lot of parts that aren't original. I mean, and then you really start thinking about it. So once I get over the fact that, oh, I didn't like this, I start thinking, where did they get 300 and 400 million jumpsuits? 400 million pairs of scissors? Well, it was a government program, so. But they didn't show any of the government. They said they were lost and left there. Yeah. Yeah, when a baby is born, does it get born down there to keep doing these things? Apparently. And, and, apparently and, but, they can reproduce because the one we find out has been living above ground the whole time and has a family. I now. suppose. And then, so. and then I thought the part, which I thought was a neat part, but it wasn't explained well and it wasn't done well in the rest of the movie, was when the boy kills the other boy because he mimics him. Right, but, but he they only don't mimic some, mimic any he only mimics them when he wants them to mimic. Yeah, them. I was like, <laughs> so I'm like, wait, wait, wait. The shadow, the shadow boy follows the action of the other boy, but not, not verbatim throughout the whole movie. It's, Nobody does, and I'm like, why? It's is just this? when he wants him to. Right, and, and then so, the, yeah, I mean, the stuff like that. There's there's a lot of little things, know. and then the other thing of like the dad, which I get it. Lupita Nyong'o's character is the main character, and the whole story is around it. Like he got hit kind of with a bat in the leg, and he could barely walk and could move the rest of the time. Like, you're getting murdered. You know, the other thing, again, you're, now we're starting to dissect little things, but, like, nobody else is in this world. When they go to the city, they just show dead bodies everywhere, and there's no movement. So, apparently, well, what are they, the only humans that survive this attack? Because there's nobody else. I mean, nobody else. I'm just like, I mean, if this family can do it with a daughter and a young son... Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's dissection now, but it was. I was surprised at how it came out, and I went, I just did not like that. Yeah. And I, I was thinking. I, I really didn't either. And I was thinking, you know, by you not talking, usually sometimes when you don't, because me and John didn't say a word about this to each other before we got on mic, and sometimes we do. Um, sometimes when you don't, most of the time when you don't say anything, it's usually a good thing. Like, so I was kind of taking that in, because like I started to read that. Like, when you say, you, usually if it's a good movie, you don't say anything. So that's why I took it as like, like I think John really liked this. No, so you just didn't. No, no I didn't either. Even, so, I, I was pretty disappointed. So I even walked. So I, I dropped my son off at my my mom's today, right before this, mm. and she goes, "I went and saw Us last night. Don't see it." <laughs> and I went. Actually, I went and saw Us last night too. And she goes, "Oh," she, <laughs> and she's like. I didn't know what was going on, and you know what? I didn't care. That that's, was her response. That's how I felt. Yeah, it felt. I I, I felt like. He was deliberately sort of staging imagery to try to provoke thought, yeah. but I just didn't I didn't find it interesting. Yeah. I, I kind of agree. You know, I'm I'm still excited for more Jordan Peele. Yeah, I like I said, I think he's a talented filmmaker. Yeah. Um I'd probably like him to go 
back to a more conventional storytelling method, though. Yeah, and, and you know, Lupita Nyong'o is good in this. I, I think so her, the I think her performance sure. is good. Yeah, Everybody actors. else is good. I think Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker are good. I think I love seeing Tim Heidecker show up. I'm a day. huge Tim Heidecker fan. Yeah, monstrous. He was on a show called uh, Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric. Yeah, yes. back in the back. A few he years still back. he still has a show and everything. So yeah, I mean I'm like not with Eric. Not with and now with Eric. Uh, he I mean he tours with Eric still. Okay. I, I see him every time. That I, I'm a huge Tim and Heidecker. It's Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. Yes, called. Huge fan of it when it was on. They still tour every couple of years, and I always go see him. But he's on on. Have you ever watched his show on cinema at the cinema? No. Oh, you're like 12 seasons behind. You need to get on this. It's them. It's him and Greg Turkington, this other guy, which you would know from his show, the uh, awesome show, great job. And they're review. They're movie critics, and they're doing the Roger Ebert, Siskel and Ebert thing. Yeah. But they've never. They don't see the movies, but they make it seem like they do. And Tim can't even read the names. It's like if we were the worst at our jobs possible. It's. And then the show goes completely off the rails about eight seasons in, and it just keeps evolving. Like I, I can't ex- explain how stupid it is, but they're actually doing a live tour right now, and I see Tim and Greg doing this on-cinema show in two weeks in Minnesota, live. Really? I'm going to send this to you the link. There's like a 12-hour YouTube YouTube clip where you can watch all of it. He does an Oscar special every year, and it, Tim gets wasted, seriously wasted. Yeah. And by the end, it's, it's yeah, hilarious. They, but he's got a real him. he's got a real offbeat sense of humor, but it's super it's great. Yeah. But you know what the thing about this movie is too is what I thought was great when I saw the first scene he's in on the beach, he's doing Tim Heidecker, you know. But then he actually becomes a real actor, like which is fine. I, I think he's a real actor, but he wasn't sure. doing the Tim Heidecker shtick. He, he was being a, a real person. He just had a small supporting sure. part in it. So. More than most. I mean, he was Whale Man at the end of Batman and the Wasp, which he still calls himself on Twitter as the Whale Man. Do you notice that? And in the last, you know, they had the whale part of the boat. He's the guy in the boat. I guess I forgot. Yeah. He was one. Well, because in Ant-Man, he's the dad that sits on the chair without a line. And he and he was talking about, he's like, look at my huge, on Twitter, he's like, look at my huge part in Ant-Man. <laughs> he doesn't have a line. He's uncredited. Nice. And then in Ant-Man and the Wasp, they bring him back because he made such a funny joke out of it. They brought him back. And so they gave him one line. Nice. And now he calls himself, and in the credits, he's whale man. And nice. So that's it's funny, but yeah. Now, I mean, do you suggest people to see this though? Like, um, only because I see a lot of people saying they really enjoyed it. So apparently, there is an audience for it. Um, I, what's the audience score? Did you look that up? Uh, it's I think it's up around seventy percent okay. or something. But um, I think it's it's sort of a it's like a brain teaser kind of a thing. If you like that kind of thing, if you like going in and feeling kind of confused. And, and, and you know, I, I do like that, but I didn't like it here. I like coming. If I, if I watch a movie and I don't understand all of it, I'm fine. I like, I, to, I like this, to feel like there's something behind it. And I, I but, but I, the stuff you did know, it wasn't that interesting. Like, yeah, I, I'm interested in hearing a little more on your interpretation of the film. Though you said you thought that the message was that, um, in America, we're doing pretty good and should all love each other. So explain that a little more. Okay. Hands Across America. That was the point in 86 was to show that we're all together. That's the main part of the movie is we're going to come up and do Hands Across America. And show. She says when she's talking to her on the, the couch, she says, we're Americans. because And then she explains, while you're up there eating your ice cream, we get down here, like whatever they eat is way worse. So, is it so like, they would is do it, anything. Is it, is it uh, commentary on this on the divide between classes? Yes, that's thank you. That's exactly. It's, you can read it as a as a divide between classes. You can read it as a divide uh, divide between immigrants. Uh, that's why they're coming here is because they see us here as like look what they have that we don't. And you could see it as I read one person says they saw it as uh the, the I mean you know you have the homeless guy too. They, like there's somebody wrote an article on the allegory of homelessness in this movie. Which I think is so. When when you say that the movie is saying we should all love each other, who is the movie speaking to, in your opinion? Americans. So, I mean, I thought I thought her saying that the we're Americans. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty big overtone of the movie. I think without that line, I don't draw any of that conclusion here. So the movie is criticizing, for example, uh, upper class who aren't taken care of. Say, for example, the homeless or. Natives who, for example, aren't taking care of immigrants. Sure. That's yeah. what you feel. Yeah, I, I do, and I feel like there's, and then there's the divide of the lower class looking at the upper class, going, "Look what they have," but sometimes they take it for granted about what they have. 
You know, because that's what she talks about, about what they have down there. You know, we have this stuff, but it's worse than your stuff. Jordan Peele, he would be a considered member of the upper class. Oh, yeah. He's worth millions of dollars. But I don't know if he ever, but I don't know where he started. You know? So, I don't know if he was born wealthy or maybe he started, you know, very poor and worked his way up. uh, He 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 was he he was he was just a normal guy that okay, worked his I, way up. Sure, I didn't know. Um, so he's doing quite well. So he would be part of the upper class. So is he speaking to himself when he says this? Right. Or well, and, you know, that's where the conundrum comes in. I think with rich people who work there, I always like feel bad. So like, you don't. I don't want to get political, but you see, like, this isn't to knock on the president, but. Trump inherited millions of dollars, right? It happens. We, we agree. It happens. But some people uh-huh. say, you know, their you know, their mom was a single mom and they go to school, they work really hard, and now they're worth millions. You just described Jordan Peele. Right. So, so do you uh, but so isn't that how it sh- isn't that how it should be though? That that is. I mean, is there something wrong with a system where people can go out and no. work and earn? No. I don't, I don't think that's a problem. No, and I don't think it is either, but I, I think that's, I mean, I don't, I, you know, again, that's how I just read what they were talking about. That's how I seen it. I mean, I thought that, I mean, the hands so across America. For me, I just, I don't get the preachiness. I mean, Jordan Peele was a guy who was just an average guy. Sure. He had a single parent. Sure. His dad wasn't around. He was raised by his mother. Right. He, well, maybe that's what he's preaching. He went to college. Sure. He, he got a good job. He got, he got on television. And now he's wealthy. So what's wrong with the system? I don't know. I'm not Jordan Peele. <laughs> I can't answer the question. So I, for me, I guess I just don't appreciate the preaching. The preaching. Well, the movie was very preaching. Yeah, it was pretty. It was it was preachy. So all right. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's that movie that I tell people to see just to talk about. You know, because it is. I mean, me and you just had a pretty long conversation there. It's uh. So I guess he accomplishes that. You know, it's something to talk about. Um, so I don't know. See it if you want to. It's fine. If not, you'll live. Um, so the other big movie I think that came out was the big Netflix movie that they dropped uh, last week called The Dirt. Yeah. Which is based off the uh, autobiography, the really huge autobiography from Motley Crue that the band members actually sat down and like wrote together. Yep. And uh, so it's that's the it's pretty much the first twenty years of the band. I think is kind of the quick gist of it. Yep. Um. And it's just how these four guys came together. You know, it's, it's your, it's your overall, it's your normal biopic story of the band um, because they are going up. And I saw that all four members were heavily involved in this movie when you read the credits. Right. Um, and uh, which is a good thing. Uh, I think they they said they wanted to make sure that the film was was accurate and didn't hide anything. I mean, it's it's got some pretty dark subject matter in it, and they wanted it all out there. Yeah, it, it does. And I, you know, Molly Crew, I, I haven't read that book, but I've heard that it's really good because Molly Crew's pretty open about the craziness of their lives. Um, so that's what it is. I, um, it, it was funny when you were watched it, you told me, and before I watched it, the guy who plays Tommy Lee, I didn't realize it was Machine Gun Kelly. I didn't either. I, I, I looked it up, like, God, who is this? I, like, the whole time, like, I know this person. Yeah, that, so the, all the actors in the movie I thought were great, but the one. Tommy Lee is somebody I'm more familiar with than the rest of the band members. Um, I'm He's sure. easily the most famous of them. Yeah, I've seen him on TV a lot more. I than, mean, the Pam Anderson tape helps. I mean, that's what blew him up. I've just I've like seen that. him in interviews, so I'm very familiar with Tommy Lee. And the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm going, the guy that plays Tommy Lee. I mean, he he looked like him. He sounded like him. Yeah. He he moved like him. I mean, I felt like I was watching Tommy Lee, especially towards when the band gets a little older. And, it, it, you know, he kind of starts looking like the Tommy Lee, you know, the young Tommy Lee, we, we didn't see a lot, but you know, Tommy Lee has the aesthetic now where he's looked the same for the last. Well, even, at, even as, even as the young Tommy Lee, I, I felt yeah. like, I felt like they went and had a time machine, went back, found Tommy Lee yeah. and put him in the movie. He, he looks he, great. He was fantastic. And then, yeah, it turns out that the guy playing Tommy Lee was Machine Gun Kelly, a rapper. Yep. Um, he's done a little bit of acting, but Is he? Okay. just a couple things, but, um, yeah, he was perfect for this. Um, and I, it just, it, it, it reminded me a little bit of Bohemian Rhapsody. I found myself comparing this movie to Bohemian Rhapsody. So did I. Um, when I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, I talked about how I didn't buy that Rami Malek was 
Freddie Prince. I did or Freddie. Sorry, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury, and um, I didn't even really buy that I was watching a real person. It was like I was watching a, a performance. Yeah. But when I was watching this movie, I thought I was really watching Tommy Lee in this movie. I felt like I was watching all of them. I, I, the only one that I was always, always having was the Vince uh, Neil lead singer guy. Uh, that whole time I felt like, this guy's playing Vince Neil. Were the other three, though? Like Tommy Lee, Nikki Six. I thought the guy who played Nikki Six was great. I mean, looks very much like Nikki Six. Um, he, he's pretty still, you know, he has 6AM, the band now. They're not in my style, but he's a rock DJ and stuff still, so I know him pretty well in the metal circle. Yeah. And uh, he looks pretty good. Yeah. Like him. yeah. And then, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know. I thought the, uh, another interesting part of the movie is, you know, Vince Neil, Nikki Six, and Tommy Lee are so famous outside of Motley Crue. But then there's their uh, lead guitar. McMars. McMars, who isn't. I, I so, wasn't familiar with him at all, but I love the way they portrayed him in this movie. So do I. And the only bit I know about McMars, and again, because I'm a metal fan, so I know something about Motley Crue, um, is he's a weirdo, and he keeps to himself. That's all I know. And that's why he, he said something about a metal thing about two years ago, and they blew it up, because they're like, Mick Mars chimes in with opinion, like because Mick Mars doesn't do that; he doesn't care. <laughs> in this movie, he was kind of like, even though the, the rest of them would be just going crazy, and he'd just be kind of sitting there. Sitting he'd be, he'd be kind of snarky and yeah. make little comments. And He's stuff. great. He, he was very. He funny. was my most. I was just having a blast with him. And then the, he was kind of the source of the comic relief, in right? This and well, and they build up to the end too, because you know they they admit that he's he's blunt. Like in the beginning, when they're joining the starting the band, you know he comes in and they have another guitarist, and the guy doesn't fit. He's just like, you should just tell him to, to leave because I'm better than him. And he's just, because he's also older. He's much older than the two of uh, the other three. And he has a illness that's pretty much uh, taking his spine, making it hard for him to walk and stuff. So he is saying that I could go at any time. My fingers could stop working. I could stop walking. I need to make it big. And I think his, his story is probably the most, to me, was the most interesting. Just because maybe it's because I don't know anything about the guy well i don't know a lot about most of these guys so i found the whole thing pretty interesting sure um i'm not a huge motley crew fan they're fine yeah they're a little before my time and i just was never really into the <clears throat> like the 80s metal and the hair the hair yeah. bands and all that so i didn't go into this as a motley crew fan like biased i just wanted to see it because i enjoy an interesting story sure i was curious i thought it was a great movie um Great story, <clears throat> uh, interesting characters, and just a lot of fun. If you're a Motley Crue fan, you're, you're going to especially love this film. But um, I thought it was great, and I think it's better than Bohemian Rhapsody. And I, I, and I say that. Machine Gun Kelly for uh, best nominated <laughs> for best actor for uh, 20, for 2020. It won't happen it won't because happen. the Academy's not interested in this type of subject matter, no. and that's why I don't really care for the and Academy. It's on Netflix. Well, they nominated Roma. So they don't have a bias against Netflix, but they kind of do. But they will have a bias against Molly Crew. Well, and no offense, I mean, I, I didn't. I, I was fine on this movie. Like, actually, the farther I got away from the movie, like two or three days later, the less I was. I liked it. I, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I think it's. I think. I think. I don't think you could ask for more from it. I think it's great. Uh, I think you said it's dark at parts, but they kind of gloss over the darkness a little bit. Vince Neil murdered someone, and that was like a you didn't part murder. of the. It was an accidental death. That is vehicular manslaughter. That's not the it's same as murder. Pretty much. When you're he drunk driving, driving and kill someone, that's accidental murder. That's he was, exactly he was drunk driving, he crashed their car, and his passenger was killed. Yeah. You're that's drunk not murder. Driving. Well, I just wanted, accidental. I just want to clarify. You said he murdered someone. There's you hear what I'm saying? There's uh, a big difference, I think. Accidental murder? That's what it was. Vehicular manslaughter yes, is, is that happened. killing somebody with a car. That's in the movie. Okay. But they kind of gloss over it. Like, no, oh, he spent a little time in jail. He's back. He's fine. That was a really big deal. Uh, and I knew, I knew about that already. And I'm like, wow, they kind of... But I also felt at the end of the movie, this is a movie that I felt was would have been great was a six-part series. Because I felt that they had hit stuff so quick and so fast. And there's more interesting stuff in there. They talk. They talk about the, the car crash. They talk about uh, Nikki Six's addiction to heroin. That I thought was good. Um, they talk about um, 
well, once Nikki Six was on the heroin, how it kind of broke down his relationship with the rest of the band. Totally. Um, Tommy, how he lived through that. Tommy Lee was was trying to get married to Heather Locklear, yep. and Nikki Six kind of ruined that for him. Yep. And then Tommy ruined it because he cheated on Heather Locklear. All this stuff is in the movie. Yeah, it is. But I think again, I think it's because it's an hour and fifty minutes. It's glossed over really quick because they they jam a lot here. Plus, you have to get the the music in. You know, nobody's going to make a Molly Crew movie without some music and so the music video parts and all that stuff. So, you know, that takes up some time, too. But, like, I even thought the cheating part, I mean, they all cheated on whoever they were with forever. And Tommy Lee, I mean, pretty famously had some big problems um, with women as that went on. And, I mean, the Pam Anderson tape and all that. Yeah. And lost a lot of money in, like, lawsuits and stuff. Um, but they were hitting it so quick. And that was the one thing I went, I'm like, gosh, I could have watched, like, an eight-part series on that to have a little more context in there, just because it was moving so fast. Because I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I'd like to, like, I could have saw a whole hour on the beginning, the middle, and the end of Vince Neil killing. Well, it's for, out there. I'm like, sure if you want to dig into it, there is sure there's but documentaries it, and things. Sure, but I was but just, I think for a movie, I think this was really good. Sure, I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have asked for any more from it. I yeah. think it was great. If you're a Motley Crue fan, you're going to love this movie. So. And if you're not a Motley Crue fan, I think you're still going to really enjoy it. I, it it's, a, it's an easy, it's a, I mean, and I mean, as long as you're cool with drug, sex, and rock and roll, there's a lot of all of it. All of that, a um, little bit of humor there. And for me, just, a, just a much more enjoyable film than Bohemian Rhapsody. It is that. I mean, outside of, uh, it, it is more enjoyable than Bohemian Rhapsody. I know. And, and that's all I can think about, too. I'm like, it's just so much better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's another... I thought Bohemian Rhapsody was really overrated. I, To me, it didn't feel like an Oscar kind of movie. It didn't. The performances didn't seem like Oscar-caliber performances. I know. It, it felt like... You know, this film is probably appropriate for Netflix, and Bohemian Rhapsody, I, I just think, was overrated. It should have probably been more for Netflix or something. Budget. They had Bohemian. a budget for Bohemian Rhapsody? They had to have. It did that, that show. ending that... That ending part with the Live Aid, they pumped so much money into that, making it look all the way it was, I thought. Yeah. I mean, that, that scene was fine. It looked like the real you yeah. know, the real video and stuff, but I thought this was a superior film. Yeah, Mo- it, I, I definitely think it was better. You know, and uh, Motley Crue's more interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're pretty out there. They're some pretty crazy dudes. Yeah. Um, but they did a... I, here's the other thing. I, I, you know, it is funny. Like At the end, they're, they're, they, they're looked at as like, heroes almost like they have that big moment where they're like older it's well, 2015 i think the fact that they were able to stick together and survive through all that is kind of what they were going for yeah and they almost didn't vince i mean vince neal is is you know when they did that when they kind of you know i mean they did that big period where they weren't really together but vince neal was pretty open about hating being in that band sometimes i think he's pretty outspoken that's the reason why i know him uh, and he's been he's been dealing with his own issues for I remember, remember in like the mid two thousands with them like celebrity shows of like put them in the house they're all drug addicts let's make them clean was you know? he on there yeah oh okay yeah Vince Neil went through that phase where he did like Celebrity Apprentice Celebrity Rehab I think he did that Celebrity Weight Loss show because he had a big old beer alley you know okay. um, he was that yeah I remember he went through a claim to fame there for a couple of years where he just he just hit all the shows but, yeah most of these guys I haven't really followed too closely but um, yeah other than Tommy Lee so. Yeah, it's interesting. I, it's good. I, yeah, I found it an uh, enjoyable film, yeah. and I thought each of the each of the portrayals was really interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. It's good, good movie for Netflix. I real thought. good, real good. Yeah, this is the one thing I do. Like, man, this is the one thing I think about Netflix. Before you go on a couple of quick movies that you want to say, is uh, this is why there's a parental control on it. I, that was my first thought. I'm like, if I didn't have a parental control on my Netflix, like if I had a ten year old. Man, this is easy to watch. Just watch this. This is the movie you sneak out of like your bedroom when you're like ten to watch, just because it's just crazy. But I was just thinking that. Yeah, there's a lot of nudity and stuff in it. Tons of it. So graphic uh, drug use and all that. Yeah, the drug use was that was intense. That the Nikki Six stuff was intense stuff. Yeah. Um. All right. So got a little bit of time left, but uh, what do you want to hit on quick? That's all I watched for this week. Uh, I got a few more. Um. I found. One I really enjoyed on Amazon Prime. It's a documentary called Doomed. And um, it's about the original Fantastic Four film, the one that Roger Corman produced, which was never released publicly. And I had heard... What year? 
Uh, this would have been early 90s. I had heard about this film, and you can find it on YouTube, I think. You can find, like, really low-quality um, VHS transfers of it, you know, that have been snuck out or whatever, but it's never been officially released publicly. And um, the rumor was that it was produced specifically because the guy that had the option for the Fantastic Four had a time limit before he had to make a movie um, or he was going to lose that option. So he was trying to just crank out a film really quickly and never intended to release it publicly. Um, this documentary really kind of dives into the whole story and they interview the people that were involved with this production. And it sounds actually like a lot of the people involved um, believed it was going to be released publicly and planned on releasing it publicly. And it kind of talks about what caused it to not be released and I think Marvel got involved um, and ultimately purchased it because they thought it would actually damage their um, their property. Basically, they wanted to they wanted it, they wanted it to not be seen, and they wanted to make their own version. So um, the the intention I think was to get it released publicly, and they um, I don't know. It was a really good documentary. They actually made the film look a lot more interesting than. You know, <laughs> I was gonna say they show they show the film like parts of it. In yeah, there. they okay. they show clips and it actually they make it look good. You know, and you kind of made me want to see it. You know, <laughs> until you watch it, and you're like, oh. Well, they. I'll tell you this: the thing looked better in this one than he did in uh, in the uh, the one that Jessica Alba is, did. Is that the rock one? The rock one? Is that yeah? The thing is yeah. It, that always bothered me in the in the one that Marvel released or Fox or whoever produced it. Um, they had Michael Chiklis playing the thing. And he was in this orange foam costume. And when he would turn his head or whatever, you could see where the costume would crease and everything. But the one in the in this original one that Roger Corman did, they actually built like an animatronic thing head. And it actually looked more solid. And when he would talk and stuff, the mouth would, you know, it was like an animatronic head. I thought, that's actually kind of better. But other than that, it's it was a fairly low-budget film, so... A lot of the actors that were in it were really excited because they thought this was really going to help their careers. You know, they thought, "Hey, we're going to be playing the Fantastic Four. That's a big deal," and never, no one saw it. So the the director went in knowing that he just needed to make it. No, the director thought it was going to oh, be okay. released too. Um, everyone involved pretty much planned on releasing it. It's possible the producer didn't, but actually, um, it sounds like it sounds like they went into production thinking they were going to make this movie, okay. and it's just that it kind of. Um, Marvel got involved, and ultimately Marvel purchased the movie and archived it. Archived it. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It was like right before the premiere it was supposed to happen, too. Nice. Sounds interesting. The, the actors were doing appearances at uh, Comic-Cons and signing autographs. And How embarrassing. Advertising the film. Uh, there was a poster and advertisements out for it, and magazine articles that were talking about the upcoming film, everything. I don't remember any of that from when I was a kid. I only remember hearing about it as a film that had been produced and apparently wasn't intended to be seen publicly. But it sounds like the producers actually wanted it to be a real film. Um, they might have rushed the production on it a little bit because they had to get this option going. Right. And Marvel kind of was putting it down. They actually have video of Stan Lee talking about the film and saying, eh... I don't expect much of it. <laughs> don't, don't go see it. And this kind of stuff. Like actually Fine. putting the film down, which is Fine. kind of weird. But, um, so then ultimately they just bought it and shelved it. Sure. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That sounds like, that sounds good. Yeah, it was good. Good. Anything else? Um, I saw a couple others, uh, a couple that I definitely recommend you do not watch. Uh, widows. That was bad. Real bad. It's a film about, a group of women whose husbands are killed during a botched um, bank robbery. They're killed by the police. And these women are trying to pick up the pieces and um, ultimately decide to, um, to rob a place themselves because they're having trouble making ends meet now that their husbands are out of the picture. And um, it was just difficult to, get behind any of their motivations you know the the scene that really for me solidified the film as being awful was where 
the one girl, her mother was trying to encourage her to become a prostitute to make money. And she's like, like you do. I was like, she's like, but mom, I don't want to be a prostitute. And, uh, I just thought, you know, there's, there's options. In I mean, life. when my son's older, he doesn't have that job by 18. That's it for him. on the streets. Yeah. I need, he needs to make that money. Right. <laughs> it just, it was hard for me to get into it. Cause I just was like, I don't believe these character motivations at all. Sure. Um, there's other, there's other ways to get by without, right. you know, I think a better message would have been, Hey, you know, these, these guys were committing crimes and look at, look at the, look at where they ended up. Let's go a different route. <laughs> right. Don't be them. <laughs> right. They wanted to follow in their footsteps. And I, I just, I, I didn't care for it at all. I thought it was really poorly written. Felt like they did one draft and then said, let's go with this. Let's go to production. Sure. Didn't care for that one. Um, I did, I did enjoy a movie I found. It was called ideal home and it's with Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan. A couple very funny comedic actors. I thought Paul Rudd was especially funny in this. Um, I didn't know what it was going in. All I saw was the box cover, and it was two comedic actors that I enjoyed, so I thought, I'm going to check it out. Um, it's a story. They actually play a gay couple in this, and the one the one guy, Steve Coogan's character, has a, a grandson who they end up having to raise because the, the father is in jail. And it tr- I think it tries to be a little bit heartwarming at times, which didn't really work for me. But um, the humor worked very well. I thought it was very funny, especially Paul Rudd. Sure. He's always great. Yeah, like I said, two funny people. So it's interesting yeah. to have them together. And then I tried to watch Life of the Party with uh, oh, yeah. Melissa McCarthy. McCarthy, yes. Who I really enjoy. I know. Me and talked about her on, this, on here. I think she was trying really hard she's to She's the most 50-50 actress. Like, some movies are just great, and she's so funny. And then some movies are so terrible. Well, I think the script was bad for this. I think she was trying to make it funny, but there just wasn't jokes there. There's not. It was it was bad. She's had a few movies like that. Uh, you know, I mean, that one, like, uh, what was it? Uh, Tammy and... Tammy, I don't think, was supposed to be a comedy. <sighs> I went into it expecting a comedy, which is why I didn't enjoy it. Because Really? I thought that it was kind of supposed to be one, and it just wasn't. That's how I felt. Well, and then, uh, she's, again, to me, she's just like, there's a couple, you know, the heat. Did you see that one with Sandra Bullock? I like that one. God, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. And then uh, there's one other one that I th- a Spy was okay. Yes, yeah, we'll I thought that was fun. But then you have like Life of the Party, and then uh, I mean, I mean, what's the one with uh, uh, Bateman? Uh, Lisa Bateman. Uh, oh, um, IDs, uh, stolen ID, stolen identity. I don't. Yeah, that that was uh, horrible. I liked it. Oh, I like that one. But yeah, she she's very funny. But I think some of the she's scripts funny. that she's getting are not very good. Yeah. And Life of the Party is an example. And of that. I think she's one of the people that people believe that she can take a bad script and make it somewhat funny. She and tried. She, she tried with Life of the Party. You know, and again, it just wasn't no matter what happen. your uh, uh, opinion is on SNL, I watch it every week. Some weeks are terrible. Some weeks are funny. Every time she comes on, she can take some of the bad SNL writing, and she's just funny. And I, like, you, you're watching it, and you're like, this wouldn't be funny with anyone else. There's a great skit of a couple of years ago where she's a, she's pitching a, a new business in SNL, and it's she just wants your pizza, and she's going to eat it. That's the... I'm like, that's not funny. That's not writing. That's the whole... But she kills it of, like, selling this woman who's... I take your... And I eat it. And that's the bit... And then she just eats pizza, and I'm like... You know what? This is funny to, with no one else, but you are so funny that you make it funny. And it's even, but even some of them, you know, that's a six-minute clip. That's not a. Well, any movie starts with the script, and uh, Life of the Party was just not a great script. The opening of the movie is her, her husband telling her that he wants a divorce. Hilarity, huh? <laughs> and then from there, it goes into. Um, they they introduce gun violence and an alcoholic character. So very yeah. oh, high comedy Man, there. Funny stuff. Oh yeah, good stuff. <laughs> so it's yeah, it was just it was just bad. It was hard to laugh. It's not good. Anyway. Yeah, it's not good. So don't watch that. Don't watch that. But uh, so yeah, coming out of this week, uh, watch the dirt on Netflix. Uh, it's pretty good. Go see us if you're interested in something. I guess different. If, if you, you get, want to join the conversation, yeah, join the conversation. And if you want to join the conversation. Follow us on Instagram, Hollywood Haymaker. Follow us on Facebook, Hollywood Haymaker. Uh, wherever you listen to us, give us a like, share, comment, and all those things because it gets more listens for us. And we appreciate it. 
And I think that's it for this week. And we will be back next week. Yep, thanks for listening. Like a lot of people I know Is what's wrong with